the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. All this talk about the kingdom of heaven. These past two Sundays, the parables of Jesus speaking about that kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is ringing in our ears. But with all this talk about this kingdom, I want to know a little bit about the leader, the king himself. Where is the king? What is he like? Who is he? What does he look like? Does his garments flow with majesty? Does he have a royal presence about him? Does he sit upon a throne? What would I do if I saw him? Would I know that he was the king? And is striving for the kingdom worth just being in his presence? We hear in the gospel, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Now to understand such a momentous event, we have to go back in time. We have to go to where the New Testament lies hidden, the Old Testament. And we actually have to go all the way back to the book of Exodus, the story of Moses. Why? Because we hear about a similar event. Listen closely. We hear in Exodus, Moses rose early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai. And as Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant in his hands, he did not know that the skin of his face had become radiant while he spoke with the Lord. When Aaron then and the other Israelites saw Moses and noticed how radiant the skin of his face had become, they were afraid to come near him. This leader of the Israelite people, Moses, had come so close to God that his face reflected his glory. His face was so radiant with the glory of God. But with Jesus, something greater than Moses is here. Because he didn't simply just reflect the glory of God. He is the glory of God upon the mountain. And Peter, man, he's soaking it all up. He says, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. In other words, he's like, Lord, let's just stay here. Let's just remain in this wonderful place. All is good. Life is good. Let's just stay. And he keeps talking and talking and talking. Matthew describes for us, while he was still speaking, that's Peter, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I could just see, see Peter just yapping away. And all of a sudden, this spectacular event comes. And he's not cherishing the moment. And suddenly this cloud overshadows them. And they hear the voice. But notice their reaction. Notice their reaction. When the, when the disciples heard this, 
they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were to see this spectacular event, my jaw would have probably dropped. I probably would have gasped. And I probably would have ran away. But they don't. They fall prostrate. They don't run in fear, but they lay themselves down on the ground. Let's go back. Let's go back to Moses. Let's go back to the story of Exodus and see if we can get a little understanding. And we hear this. After Moses had come down from the mountain again, he set up the place of worship. He had set up the tent of meeting, as it was called. Then another moment, a spectacular moment happens. We read, Thus Moses finished all his work. Everything was set up. Then the cloud covered, that is, overshadowed, the tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled down upon it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. My good Jews, Peter, James, and John, they know their Bibles. They know their scriptures. So when this cloud comes over their Lord, they get it. This is the cloud of glory. And truly something greater than Moses is here. They become afraid like the Israelites who saw the, mo- the faces of Moses reflecting the glory of God, but they fall prostrate. They prostrate because that is a sign and a gesture of worship. And to God alone do we fall in prostration. Then our Lord says this to them, rise and do not be afraid. And then the beautiful moment where it says, and when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. The Lord is king. The Lord is king, the most high over all the earth. He is the beloved son of God, as we see. Now we can often just blow through this transfiguration account. We hear it two times a year. We read it, say, okay, you know, God went from like being a regular dude to like showing all of his glory. Okay, that's cool. But if we read it slowly and carefully and think about what it was like to be there, it had to be mind blowing, like something you've never seen before. And so maybe as you read it, maybe you're thinking, what would it have been like to be Peter, James, and John? What would it have been like to climb that mountain with Jesus, to see him in all of his glory, to fall prostrate before him? What it would have been like? But maybe this transfiguration event isn't so far from us. Maybe actually we do get to see the transfiguration Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. You know, at the beginning of Mass, the priest leads the people up to the mountain of the altar. And then halfway through the Mass, those gifts of bread and wine are brought forward, signifying you. That is you making your way to the mountain behind the Lord. 
And then there's a moment where the gifts of bread and wine become transfigured. No longer being bread and wine, but the body and blood, soul divinity of Jesus Christ. The glory of the Eucharist is seen today. And so may our hearts fall prostrate. May our hearts fall in adoration and worship. And maybe we can echo the words of Peter, Lord, it is good that we are here. Lord, make my body. Lord, make my heart. Lord, make my mind a tent for you, a tabernacle for you. Lord, stay with us. And then there's a moment in the Mass where we sing the kingdom song. Remember that song? The song of the angels. Holy, holy, holy. And then what do we do immediately after that? We drop to our knees. May our hearts fall with us. And then the priests will say, this is my body. And we'll raise the host up. And you too will raise your eyes like the disciples. And you will see Jesus alone. No longer bread. Then he speaks to us. He tells you, rise and do not be afraid. And we will indeed rise. We're going to travel down from this mountain, from the mountain of this church, down into the valley of life. Remember, you ascended those steps to get into the church. And you will descend the steps to go back into your everyday life where there's a valley of tears, there's a valley of sorrow, there's a valley of the cross. But we rise and we're not afraid because we have the Lord with us. And notice that he instructs Peter, James, and John to not say a word about this event. Now, if you saw the transfiguration, besides running in fear, what would be the first thing you would do? You go tell everybody, their brothers and their sisters, what just happened. Probably put it on Facebook too. But he says, no, don't say a word until when the Son of Man has risen from the dead. Our brothers and sisters, he has risen. Christ is risen indeed, which means that we descend down this uh, mountain and we go to speak. We go to speak of the goodness that we have tasted, that we have touched, that we have consumed, that we have experienced upon the altar, upon the mountain. So this week, let's not fail to speak of our King, to speak of his goodness, of his love, of his mercy. And so today, allow yourselves to be transfigured through an encounter with the risen one. And let your faces not be veiled when you leave this church, but let them shine brightly with Christ. And today, tomorrow, throughout the week, find one person to talk about, to talk about the king that you serve.